Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. The hot trend of spring is back, this time for fall. And what's that trend? The backyard back to the land movement, where more and more people are starting a garden. And for USDA zones 7, 8, and 9, that means planting a lot of great cool season vegetables now for the fall and winter. Now, maybe for those of you in colder climates, it might mean putting the backyard garden to bed and doing some indoor gardening. But before you put that garden to bed, or even if you're not planning on growing any cool season vegetables or flowers where you live, give your garden soil a great big goodnight kiss. Grow a cover crop or cover it in fallen leaves. We'll explain. Blueberry plants will soon start appearing in USDA Zone 9 nurseries with more to follow in the other zones as spring approaches next year. We've got tips on choosing, planting, and pruning blueberries from one of the nation's foremost blueberry plant growers, Dave Wilson Nursery. Black Widow Spiders, what are they good for? Actually, plenty if you have a garden. It's episode 48 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast brought to you by Smart Pots. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. We're talking with Steve Zion, podologist, soil expert, about how to improve your soil for the cool season planting time, which is upon us now. One of the ideas of no-till, besides not putting a rototiller on your soil, is to leave last year's plant roots in the soil. Can yeah. you can you do that in a garden though, in a limited space? I think I think you can. Um, I don't. It, you know, it depends on how small the 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 bed is and how many plants you crammed into that small area. Um, but if you got you know the spacing properly, you should be able to uh, basically cut the plants off at the ground and uh, then just plant in uh, in the in the beds those. If you've got, if you've been using organic fertilizers, if you've been using compost and worm castings, and you've got a biologically active soil, those roots are going to decompose very, very quickly. I think leaving the roots of the plants is a great idea if you're not going to be planting a cool season garden. If, if you're a gardener or you live in a climate where it's you don't want to or can't grow a, a fall and winter garden, then leaving the root matter of the previous season's growth, I think, is a good idea because it's going to break down over the course of fall and winter. And by yep. the, and since we're on that railroad train going that way, let's talk about people who don't plant for the fall and winter. Rule number one, if there are rules, rule number one is don't let that soil lay bare. Right. You need to at least put some sort of mulch on there. Um, compost and worm castings, but ideally, uh, you, you had mentioned cover crops and green manures. These are plants that wouldn't take a whole lot of care. You basically put seeds in the ground and let them grow. They will, add, depending upon what kinds of crops you use, uh, it will add organic matter and or uh, 
nitrogen because nitrogen is is the nutrient that is used most by the plants and needs to be replenished the most. And and there are you know there's all sorts of different kinds. One of my favorite uh, companies actually has various blends uh, for putting in in the uh, the winter time where they uh, have different plants in there to not only add organic matter, but also to add nitrogen. Would that be Peaceful Valley Farm Supply you're talking about? That's, that's the one. All right. We'll have and a they, link in the show you, notes to that then. Yeah. They've got, they've got a, a great uh, chart. It's called the Cover Crop Solution Chart. And they've got uh, all the various types of, of, of cover crops and green manures that you can use both for winter winter time and the summertime. And they do have what they call the soil builder mixes, and they've got several of them. Now, this is fine for USDA zones 9, 8, and 7. But for where it gets to be very cold, very snowy, maybe cover crops won't work there. In which case, one of my favorite things to do is, as the oak leaves fall in your neighborhood, collect them. Yep. Put them in a metal trash can. Put your weed whacker down there and chop up those leaves as fine as possible or run them over with your lawnmower and then spread them up to a foot thick on your garden and just let that sit there all winter long. Oh, yeah. I mean, it drives me crazy in fall to see all of the the, the, the mobile and go guys, the, the the gardeners, if you will, the professional I don't like to say professional gardeners. The guys <laughs> that garden for free or for for a fee. The guys that mow. Um, and, and they use those blowers and they blow all those leaves into a pile. And then depending upon where you live, they put them out in the street where they're going to clog up the gutters. And that's all that wonderful organic matter that could feed the soil. And what they should be doing is raking it into this, you know, to use as a mulch either in the landscape beds or the... Uh, the flower bed and the vegetable bed. And in a lawn situation, if they don't want to, you know, if they don't have landscape beds or flower beds or uh, vegetable gardens, uh, they should be using their mower and just mow those leaves. And uh, they will chop them up and they will add organic matter to the, to the soil under the lawn. Especially if they're mulching mowers. Yes. Yeah. So, well, you can you and, and if you don't necessarily need a mulching mower. Most mowers um, have attachments. You can get a, a an attachment that's a mulching blade, uh, and there, most mowers will take a a mulching blade. If you go to a not necessarily the big box store, but go to a, a mower repair shop, and they will have mulching mower blades that you can fit on almost any mower that will help. Basically what you're trying to do is chew up the leaves, chew up the grass clippings really, really fine, and they'll break down very, very quickly. I mentioned oak leaves, but I, I think with very few exceptions, any deciduous tree's leaves would be fine for what we're talking about is leaving it over your garden bed all winter long. Oh, yeah. And again... I mean, an associate of mine... Uh, did an experiment years ago where he had uh, oak trees. It, they were oak trees in his in his property, and he had them falling on his lawn, and he raked them into his uh, landscape shrub bed. And he measured them in fall after all the leaves were down, 
and he had nine inches of mulch. Come spring, come March, he had a half inch. Hmm. Now is and that he, be- and and he and he did not run that over a lawnmower. He just raked it over there. Was it raining yep. on those leaves all winter? Yep. Okay. That's what helped break it down. Yeah. Well, it, it's 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 the, again the soil biology. He, I, I think one of the things he did do before he put the mulch in the beds is he took a metal garden rake, and this is always really good, especially if you've got a, a clay soil, and that soil is got kind of a crust on the surface. Um. You want to break up that crust, and just you, you don't have to till it. You just use a metal garden rake, not a leaf rake, but a metal garden rake, and and just break up that crust, and then put the mulch on after that. You don't, you know, you don't want the the rain or irrigation to hit that bare soil because that's what is going to create that crust again. And we should reemphasize that this bed of mulch that's spending the fall and winter on your garden bed, as it breaks down, it's feeding the soil, it's improving the life of the soil. You're going to dig down in the springtime, if you've done this, you're going to dig down and find more worms than you've ever seen before. Yep. It's it, it, absolutely amazing. And and worms are really a good indicator of, of a healthy soil biology. Um, I think most people, especially gardeners, have probably at some point touched worms. <laughs> and especially fishermen, when they touch worms, they're really slimy. And one of the reasons why they're so slimy is when fishermen are using worms, it makes it hard for, the, for them to put the hooks on. And from personal experience, after I've been out on my kayak fishing for a while, uh, and I've gone through the first six-pack or two, uh, it gets very hard to uh, put that hook through the worm and so it preserves them and I can bring them home and put them in the garden when I'm done. But another reason why that that slime is is it helps them move through the soil but that slime is food for all the soil biology that's down there. And so there, as the worms move through the soil they're spreading that food for, to all of the little members of the soil biology that will help break down all of that organic matter that provide nutrients to your plants, provide water to your plants. And so it's it's just a wonderful system. And if you so if you have a lot of worms in your soil, it's a good indicator that you've got that really nice diversity of, of soil biology. We have improved everybody's soil for the fall and winter. We've gotten your garden beds ready for the fall planting, if you so do, or if you're not going to plant. Just having a bed full of mulch is going to improve it for the following spring. We've learned a lot again from Steve Zion, podologist, soil expert. Steve, thanks for your time. Uh, you're welcome. It's been fun. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, uh, like you had something else you wanted to say. Uh, well, I do have a, a webinar that, <laughs> that people might be interested in. When is it? When is uh, that, Mr. Schill? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a water smart foundation, healthy soil, happy landscape workshop that the uh, the city of Citrus Heights Water District sponsored, and it's you know basically talking about a lot of the things that we've been talking about today. And uh, you can go to organiclandscape.com and click on the news and the events, and it's listed there. Um, or you can go to the Citrus Heights uh, Water District's 
website and click on event their events link and you'll find it there as well is this open to anybody that lives in the united states of america uh, the entire universe okay all right not just planet earth so my listeners in bulgaria sure learn something from citrus heights yeah go to steve's website organiclandscape.com where's it landscapes i always forget organic landscape no s okay and then click on the news and events link there you go and you can find out and and you can watch it right away yeah all right steve zion thanks very much it's been great i appreciate it We're glad to have Smart Pots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. Smart Pots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And Smart Pots clicks all those boxes. They're durable, they're reusable. Smart Pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com Fred. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next Smart Pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. One of the easiest plants for beginning gardeners to grow are blueberries. But there's a lot of conflicting advice out there. Tom Spellman works with Dave Wilson Nursery. He and Phil Purcell got together and did a little talk about when to prune blueberries and how to plant them and how to take care of them. One of the things Tom mentioned I didn't know you should prune your blueberries after harvest in the summertime, not in winter. Tom will explain. Tom Spellman, Dave Wilson Nursery. It's second week of August up here in the Central Valley, and we're out evaluating our new crop of berry plants coming on for this fall. We'll be shipping these in late October, November, early December. This is Sunshine Blue blueberry look how nice that plant is that's just absolutely a beautiful finished product but we're gonna pinch these one more time we're gonna cut them down about six inches or so and put one more nice flush of growth on them all that growth that they finish off with this fall that's gonna be production wood for this next season that's what's gonna bloom in February and March and April and produce berries in May, June, and July. So blueberries are kind of an anomaly in the fruit world. If you prune blueberries in the wintertime, you're, you're, every cut you make, you're pruning out fruiting wood. So you want to do all of your pruning on blueberries in the summer after the end of the crop season. So when the plants are done fruiting in July or, or early August, that's when you want to do your, your shaping. Let that next flush of growth come out and that's what's going to be production wood for the next year. So no winter pruning on blueberries. So this is another one of our unique blueberry varieties. We're growing about a dozen or so different varieties in our farmer's market favorite program, all in this four by nine inch liner pot. So these are one year plants. They're ready to be lined out. They're gonna be productive their first year. 
in, in a container. This is a variety called Pink Lemonade. So as opposed to a blue blueberry, this is a pink blueberry. It's a little more acidic, it's a little more tangy in flavor, and they mix this a lot with other blue flesh varieties to be used in desserts. The dessert chefs love this variety. This, uh, on top of a cheesecake with a couple of blueberries, will make about a $20 dessert. Last year, we introduced the bushel berry line uh, into our farm market favorites. The, the, and it just happened to coincide with, you know, the, the COVID pandemic. And one thing that we found out, and it was really eye-opening, so many young people now are getting into gardening, but it's a little overwhelmed. What we think is the best entry-level uh, fruit to get into, especially if you have a small patio, is getting into blueberries or getting into, you know, small bush plants and trialing them there. And from there, go ahead and expanding. So blueberries, perfect. You can plant three in a, in a wine barrel, you can plant one in a nice decorative container, and it's an easy way for someone new to gardening to really experience and be successful with, uh, you know, with edibles. What the bushel and berry adds into this mix is, for example, this right here is the Baby Cakes Blackberry. When everyone thinks blackberries along the, the roadside, they're thinking, you know, the sprawling vines and the thorns. This is a thornless bush blackberry that's made for containers. It's going to get covered with fruit, really easy to maintain. It doesn't get big. You just keep it trimmed in a nice little bush. Its uh, counterpart is known as raspberry shortcake. It is a raspberry that's a bush raspberry as opposed to the cane, perfect for container gardening and uh, you'll get nice good fruit off of it. So, you know, if you're not really sure about, you know, dedicating a lot of room, start with the bushel and berry line and go ahead and put them in pots. So speaking of pots, right? What do you think about soil, especially blueberries? Everyone's a little freaked out on what to do, but we have a simple, just simple recipe. There's, there's two things that are essential to proper blueberry care. Number one, fast, fast drainage. Okay. You don't want any water to sit in that pot. You want it all to drain out. And an acidic soil condition. Okay. So you want to make sure that you don't have a high pH. You don't want a pH any more than about 6.5 max. Okay. So if you used a, a mixture of, say, a good sandy potting soil, uh, about one-third, one-third peat moss, a coarse grind peat moss, okay. and about one-third uh, pathway or walk-on bark, and mix those all three together, that's going to give you the perfect mix for blueberries or for most container plants in general. So, so these, these little bushel and berry varieties would be great right? in yeah. that same mix. And it, and it sounds a little daunting, but the way I do it at home, I get a wheelbarrow, get a bag of nice organic potting soil, set that there, bag of peat moss, and a bag of, uh, of pathway bark, or even orchid bark, horse yeah. or orchid bark. You know, you get this container, scoop one, scoop the other, scoop mix it up you're ready to go absolutely it's as simple as that yeah so. it, re it really is it's not complicated at all and it makes the perfect mix there are there are a, a, almost equivalent mixes that you can buy pre-mixed or pre-bagged but I, I really like being able to mix those three elements together and come up with that finished product right so what we're saying is if you're new to gardening a little intimidated don't be great starter plants blueberries if you want to expand and maybe get a blackberry in your you know patio or raspberry in your patio look into the the bushel and berry line of plants 
what's nice about ours is ours are little four inch containers, right? So they're inexpensive at your, your garden center. You know, put in a nice pickle jar, you know, decorative pot, use the, the planting mix, and you're gonna have fruit throughout the summer. So, you know, hopefully this kind of helps people who are a little intimidated understand it's simple. And it's gardening it, it really, really is simple. And, and so rewarding. I mean, we were picking blueberries this year beginning about maybe March 15th, and we pick all the way up until last week, first week in August. Yep, so just go to our harvest chart, pick a early, mid, late season blueberry, and you're set. And even though all those blueberry varieties are listed as being self-fruitful, by planting three individual varieties together just helps in, with in the one production. clump, you get so much, so much more, more production. Yeah. Probably 10 times the amount of production right. by having those cross-pollinators built in. Yep, so. Any other questions, you know, just go on to DaveWilson.com and, you know, just look at the varieties and make the choice. Go down to your independent garden center this fall and, and pick them out. And we're here for you. We want your gardening experience to be successful. We want you to eat plenty of, uh, of fresh fruit, and that's why we're providing these high-quality plants and all this information on our website. That again from Dave Wilson Nursery, Tom Spellman and Phil Purcell talking berries. And for more information, do check out their website, DaveWilson.com. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. We have links to all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, a link to the FarmerFred.com website. That's where you can find out more information about the radio shows. You remember radio, right? Now, if the place where you access the podcast doesn't have that information, you can find it all at our home podcaster, Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout.com. Just look for the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. We like to answer your questions here on the Garden Basics podcast, and we bring in Debbie Flower, our favorite retired horticultural college professor, to help us out with this. And Debbie, Cindy writes in and says, I have a question about black widow spiders. I have a couple of those big girls next to my house. They're not in the garden. They seem to be getting rid of other unwanted pests. So what are your thoughts? We don't have young children at home, but when our grandkids come over, I will kill them. But new ones will take their place. I hope she's not referring to the grandchildren that she's going to kill. <laughs> so black widow spiders, do they have a role in the garden? Yeah, they do. Spiders in general have a role in the garden and they are, I consider them good guys in the garden because they catch other things and eat them. Uh, they're not discriminatory. You know, if they see a, 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 a if a green lacewing, for instance, flies into a spider web, the spider will eat it just as readily as it will eat um, something that like a cabbage moth um, that, that we don't want in the garden. So the cabbage moth, we don't want the green lacewing we do one as a beneficial in the garden. So they're not discriminatory that way, but they are pretty efficient uh, insect killers. You know, things that like anything that flies will get into the trap and, and they will uh, consume that. Black widows happen to be something we have. We have the Western black widow out here and they can bite humans and they can hurt. They can cause a 
pinprick in our skin and, and it can be painful. They are not known to kill people. When they're around my front door or uh, around a, a pot, uh, I, I will kill them and I will wear gloves when I'm handling things in situations where I think black widows are potentially going to bite me. I don't think they would hurt me, you know, down the road. They're not going to cause my fingers to fall off or anything, but it would be painful. There is a, a uh, what's it called? Antidote. There's an antidote to black widow uh, venom, but it is, as I understand, made from something from horses. And so doctors don't always want to give it to humans because maybe the humans are allergic to the horse part. Uh, so uh, my understanding is doctors really don't do a lot for you if you have a black widow spider bite. In other parts of the country, there are other poisonous spiders that, that live in similar situations amongst the plants, amongst the potted plants, in the wood pile, that kind of thing. Spiders in general being good in the garden, I don't want to disturb them much, but I do want to protect myself by wearing gloves, and that's what I would recommend others do. And if you find them near the house, stomp them. Right. It's an easy way to kill them. All <laughs> they're, right. They're not necessarily fast. Uh, they hide in places, little crevices, when when uh, they're not out uh, working on their web or, or, or taking care of their prey. So they might be in places where you don't see them right up front. But yes, stepping on them is a very efficient way to get rid of them. And we should point out, too, that if you are doing anything where you're moving things that haven't been moved in a while, like a wood pile or old patio furniture or old uh, plant pots that are piled up behind the garage, wear gloves and long sleeves. Absolutely. Yes. Protect yourself. Garden spiders have a role, but that role isn't near your house. Right. Debbie Flower, thanks for a few minutes of your time. Always a pleasure, Fred. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's available just about anywhere podcasts are handed out. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, hey Alexa, play the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, would you please? Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.